Uh, third installment of the OPP podcast. We're here with special guest, former WWE superstar James Ellsworth. Uh, everyone, give it up for James Ellsworth. Thanks for the applause in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming out. Uh, first off, you know, thank you for coming. And uh, I just want to ask you, you know, as a wrestling fan myself, you know, when you were a kid, you know, what what was your insight on wrestling when you were a child? So I started watching in like the late '80s. I was four years old, probably 1988. And my grandfather took me to the Baltimore Arena. It was called the Civic Center back then. And um, the first, like, main event I remember seeing was the Macho Man Randy Savage when he was WWF champion against Million Dollar Man Teddy Biasi. Oh. Short after WrestleMania four, they were doing the uh, house show matches against each other after that. And I just remember seeing that and seeing Macho Man. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And just hooked ever since, you know. We had these, you know, back then we had these bigger, larger-than-life guys, you know, Macho Man, Hulk Hogan personality was so good back then Andre the Giant and we had great managers you know like Bobby Heenan Jimmy Hart today I don't feel like we have the the, the managers like we had back then what's your input on that I don't think we have the characters that we had back then there's so many guys you know and not to knock on anybody but there's so many guys like on TV right now that you're not going to remember in 10 years right there's guys and I won't name any names that are gone from WWE now that were there six seven eight years that didn't have a character and they're gone and nobody, like, remembers them. They're not getting a lot of indie work because they didn't have that memorable character. You have to have a character. And like you were saying, maybe they just ran through all the characters or something because in the 80s and 90s we had these awesome characters. And we don't have that today. You have some some of them, like Elias. He's a great character. Oh, I love that guy. Know? And you'll remember him. He's the guy with the guitar and mm-hmm. he comes out and he sings and he gets interrupted. You know, you everybody always remembers the characters from little kids all the way up to the adults. But I remember even as a kid, the jobbers, like... Duke the Dumpster Drozzy <laughs> and the Brooklyn Brawl, even the guys that got the shit beat out of them every week because they had characters, yeah, like you said. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, and like back to the jobber thing, like I think another problem is, and we'll go over this, my opinion, like this day and age on Raw or SmackDown, the guys just wrestle each other all the time, every week. Like I used to love when you had the jobbers, like you said, the journeymen, like I like to call them because I mm-hmm. was journeyman there at first. Like, they would wrestle them, do their moves, do their high spots, and you're like, oh, he's about to hit him with the razor's edge. And yeah. they would talk about, oh, like, Razor Ramon would talk about how he was going to wrestle Shawn Michaels at the pay-per-view. You wouldn't see that, like, on Raller or on Superstars. You had to wait to the pay-per-view. So you got to see the guy wrestle, hit all of his moves on a guy, which was cool, they cut a promo and sell you on the pay-per-view. We don't have that these Exactly. Days. And that's another thing that, in my mind, is not in the business anymore. These guys cut promos for shit. You talk about, you know, the 80s and the 90s, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, and Dusty Rhodes was not a muscular man, or he was just, you know, the common man, but that motherfucker could could cut a promo like nobody's business. These guys now, like, they cannot cut a promo for shit. Well, this is the difference between scripted and not scripted back in the day. You know, a lot of it has to do with, so this day and age, they have a lot of sponsorships. So they give you these scripts just so that they tell you, they basically telling you what to say so you don't say anything that's going to hurt them on their sponsorship or whatever. And then they have these scripts. That way, if you do say something, it's not what we gave you to say. There are reasons for that, but I do agree with the fact of, like, there's promos back in the day. And some people still do it this day when it comes out natural and you're saying what you feel. Like, it, it, the audience feels that more than a scripted promo. Like, when it's a script, sometimes you're trying to remember the script and it doesn't come out natural. 
and, you know, and there was an issue with that, but I mean, I get why they do it, but I myself, like, I love just the speed, like, you tell me what the story is, if the story is like, oh, me versus AJ Styles, and we're gonna fight in a ladder match for my contract, that's all I need to know, I go out there and talk about it. Exactly. Yep. And that's a, that's a talent in its own right. I know you can get in the ring and do your moves, but to me, nothing better on a Saturday than watching Ric Flair unbuttoning his shirt, mm-hmm. Tony Schiavone in and fucking sticking his chest out. Those guys don't do that anymore. It's, they like robots. They speak into the camera and do what they're supposed to say. Like I like a guy for their personality. I, I, my favorite wrestlers were always like dicks. Like I loved Ric Flair. You know, Limousine, Ryan, Jeff. I love guys like that. Kurt Hennings. Throwing the gum up and hitting it in the air. I love guys like that. You don't have guys like that anymore. Yeah, like, jumping ahead a little bit, uh, I know we're going to get into everything, but when I when WWE brought me back over the summer, I had a promo where I was calling out Asuka, even though the story was I knew she wasn't there. Right. And, like, I took my jacket off, I took my shirt off and threw it, and that was all me just doing it, because I felt it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to call her out. I know she's not here. So I'm acting like a tough guy, you know, and that was right. just me. Like, they didn't tell me to do that. That was just me That's doing it. That's good. And like I remember getting backstage, you're like, man, that was awesome. Like that was, you felt you felt that. Like you were like ready to fight even though you know she's not here. So you're acting like you're this big tough guy, taking your shirt off, doing this, making the audience like, Oh, is he really trying to fight Asuka? And then you know, Paige comes out and says, You know she's not here. Yeah. Just, just stuff like that. Those little things that people can do, take it that much like take the story that much, you know, more like further than just rather, you know, saying your script and moving on. That to me is what keeps me interested. Like it's you know, you build your storyline. You, you know, you show your personality on camera. That's what makes you know people want to buy your T-shirt, your action figure, and watch every week. What do you think about this, Steve? I I think the same thing, man. It's like everybody wants everything, uh, just like now, right away. You gotta have all the big matches on Raw. You can't wait to build up to a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. I see everybody bitching about this Kofi Kingston thing online. Let's say just for instance. And everybody thinks, oh, well, they should have shotgun the title on him at Elimination Chamber. But you don't realize that wasn't even, there was no build whatsoever to that. I mean, it's just kind of like Daniel Bryan a few years ago. You, you watch him get screwed over and screwed over and screwed over. And you, you build toward the WrestleMania match where the payoff's going to be a lot bigger. But nobody has, you know, it's a short attention span and everybody just wants everything right now. And so I think that's probably part of the reason why they do things the way they do them. I'll explain it to you this way, like, if you fall in love with a woman, you don't marry her. Usually, you don't marry her the first day you fall in love with her. You date her for a while. You, you actually see if you do love her. You actually see if it's really, like, you feel like you love her. You wait a while, you wait a while, and then if the love never goes away, then you marry her. That's the Kofi Kingston thing. Okay, we all love him. We've loved him for so long. Yep. We're ready to marry Kofi Kingston, and yep. we know we're ready, but we weren't ready to marry him in the Elimination Chamber. We knew we loved him, but yeah. let's give it a couple of weeks and see if we... Let's go on a few dates. Yeah, let's go on a few dates I mean, hang out. Let's test drive the car and not buy it. That was a month after uh, Rowan came and helped Daniel Bryan, so, I mean, you really want to, like, bring in the monster backup guy, and then three weeks later, he still loses the title. Like, I mean, there's got to be... But I will say this about modern wrestling as opposed to the 80s and 90s. Like, now everyone on the roster is a superstar. All the matches are... The matches are great. Could oh. be main event matches. There's no George South versus Bobby Fulton. They, 
have the best, most talented oh. roster they've ever had as far as in-ring talent. Do you think that's because of, like, you know, they have the, 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 the place where they recruit these guys and train them and the writers, or do you think that's just, you know, it's grown that much that that's what it is now? Well, WWE is its own entity. Like, no matter what they put, what kind of content they put on TV, it's not going anywhere. Like, a lot of people complain Billions and cry. Of yeah. We all have, we're all our, you know, our uh, Monday morning quarterbacks where, well, what if they did it this way and that way? I'm the same way. Like, I'll, like later on, I'll get into how I would have booked the Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch stuff. Like, if, I think, you know, I mean, just me, just maybe being a homer myself, I think my idea would have been awesome the way I would have did it. And everybody does it differently. But, like, yeah, it's. Man, like I, like I said earlier, they have the best talent, in-ring talent they've ever had. These guys are phenomenal athletes, they're phenomenal wrestlers. They've never, and I think a lot of that has to do with, they're looking at guys on the indies that are indie darlings, that's what they're called, and they're actually checking them out now. And if you make a real good name for yourself and you have some talent, they're scooping you up. And it's awesome. Kind of like the minor league kind of deal. Like, you mm-hmm. know, they go down, send scouts, check them out. Yep. If they're main, you know, main event type of guys they sign them that's and that's smart mm-hmm. they're always handpicked how many guys if they would have you know how many guys would have been main event guys 10 years ago if they would have been doing that even 15 years ago how many guys you think fall through the crack because they just implemented this you know not too long ago they started doing this right around CM Punk and Daniel Bryan when like bringing in mm-hmm. into, like indie darlings uh, again um, if you look at like ROH like you just said ROH they you know they're like the you know, the organization where WWE does, you can tell, pay attention to. That's mm-hmm. where Seth Rollins came from, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk. Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. Like, Kevin a guy Owens. like Kevin Owens, back in 98, Never would have wrestled. 2000, 2001, 2000, would never be in WWE. But he is an amazing talent. He's an amazing promo. He's different. He's awesome in the ring. And a guy like him, unless it was for, like, a CM Punk or a Daniel Bryan, you know, getting that... But getting over on WWE on the main roster, like, you know, AJ Styles or Kevin Owens or, you know, Samoa Joe. Like, I love mm-hmm. Samoa Joe. Like, none of these guys would have jobs, and, and it's awesome it's that way. Like, they're picking the cream of the crop. Like, yeah. if you have some talent you have a name on the independence, most likely you're going to get signed now. So that's good. It should be there, man. You couldn't even dream of, you know, a guy like Samoa Joe being in WWE, holding a title. But they got so smart because... You know, I watched TNA, I watched Ring of Honor, and I seen these guys like, man, he would be great against this guy or that guy. Mm-hmm. Their, their, you know, their talents would be so good together in the ring, and then, but you would have never saw that before, just because of pride or you know that kind of thing. Now, the cream of the crops in the ring, and I like that a lot. And then, let, me, let me ask you this one: They do have, to me, I mean, phenomenal amount of talent. It's ridiculous. I think their issue now is they have too much of it. And they don't have enough time to go around. Absolutely. Like, it's already, you know, a lot of people, like, rag on the writers there at WWE. It's hard to write five hours of television every single week. They got three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown. Not not to mention one hour of NXT to write every week. And then when you throw in a pay-per-view once a month, like, that's that's another, you know, then you have eight hours of television. So Mm -hmm. that's hard. But like you said, they they signed so many guys. There's a lot of guys that get lost in the shuffle because they don't have a spot for them. Like, you know, like Shelton Benjamin's there, and Shelton right. Benjamin is awesome, but they haven't been able to do much with him because they, they have no all this, no time, they have all these other guys. It's spread like, so thin. Yeah, and, and it, and it you know, and if you're there, and this is just my opinion, I'll say that a lot, because I, I think that's what I like to enterize, like, we all have our opinions on every kind of subject, and some of us are right, some of us are wrong, and sometimes it's just our opinion. Like, if you're there so long, and you're not doing anything, you're devaluing, devaluing yourself like because 
like, you're just not doing anything. You're sitting there, you're not on TV, you're not, like, a guy like Zach Ryder, he's in phenomenal shape, he's entertained, people get behind him every time he's on television. Yeah. He's been there so long, he's done some cool stuff, won tag titles, U.S. title, Intercontinental title, you know, but at this point, it's like, you know, he's been there so long, like... Yeah. Shit or get off the pot already. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, which I. But he's so talented. It's it's not his fault. It's just that that's not a guy they're picking the the yeah. I'm just using it as an example. I, I love that he's yeah, phenomenal. He's awesome. He's just maybe a, a notch below. Yeah, it's just not. His, and that's people. not his fault. They just don't have the time. They're not. A, it's not a guy they're picking to, you know, or choosing to have that TV yeah. time with. And so yeah, that that like to your point, very true that there's not time for all these guys they have signed. And maybe that's why like. If you notice, they just built the NXT UK, and they're sending like Jack Gallagher, who's mm-hmm. another guy you haven't seen, or and like or Noam Dar. They're sending them over there, so that at least they have that spot. They're trying to spread them out, spread them out, and I think you're, you're gonna see more of that. You're gonna see maybe an NXT Japan, an NXT India, an NXT like where they can take their talent and put them all like all over the world. That's that's what I'm I, I'm thinking I'm seeing. Yeah. So it remains to be seen, but I feel like that's what they're doing with it. All right, so we're gonna go back to, you know, when you got into professional wrestling, like. Tell us here, you know, tell the people at home how you got into professional wrestling. We all loved it. We all wanted to do it. We did backyard wrestling, <laughs> cardboard world title belts. Oh, yeah. I did the trampoline wrestling. You know, freaking mattresses in anybody's yard that would let us throw a mattress out there. Yeah. How did you get into professional wrestling? Well, I graduated in 2002 on June the 1st, 2002. I graduated. And I have my graduation money. It's like $2,500. So that was June the 1st. On uh, June the 5th. I was like, well, I'm going to go check this wrestling school out. Now I had my graduation one, $2,500. I remember my dad, like, yelling at me. like, you Was it Bone Breakers? Yes, Bone Breakers. Pro wrestling school here in Baltimore. Uh, no longer around. but um, Right on Benson Avenue. Benson over Avenue. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I took, and, and, and <laughs> the wrestling school was $2,500. So, all the money I got for graduation, I took and put it right into wrestling. My dad could have killed me. He's like, you need to go to college. I'm 17 years old when I graduated. <laughs> You need to go to college. You need to. So he's like, and my dad, I'll never forget. I love my dad. I'm not ragging on my dad, but he's like, you're, you're you know, back then, I'm, I'm small now, but back then, I'm like 125 pounds and I'm five foot eight. He's like, what? He's like, take your shirt off, look at Monday Night Raw, then look at yourself. He's like, you're wasting your money. I said, well, I'm going to give this a try and I'm going to like, I'm going to go for it. And June the 5th, 2002, I signed up for Bone Breakers here in Baltimore. Hey man, sometimes you just gotta go for it, you know. Yeah. So back then, we're talking 2002. I was still around. Mark the Shark Trader was an yeah. was an instructor. Yes. Dan McDivitt. Mm-hmm. Who else was there right back then? Was uh, Axel there then? Or uh, yeah, Axel. Um, so a consultant kind of thing. He was there, and he like you'd see him in sporadics, but like you know the guy, uh, uh, the Bruiser was one of the trainers. Uh-huh. Keenan Creed, Patrick Brink, uh, Earl. I actually Earl. went to high school with Shane Shamrock. Shane, okay. Yeah, um, I think he passed before. Yeah, Brian Hauser. So, yeah, like all those guys, um, you know, and uh, I started training there. And like I said, I would see Ax- Axel in spurts at first. But then once uh, Bonebreakers went under in 2003, they just uh, stopped having a school, stopped running shows. And Axel, like, well, him and I had just become friends. We're like, keep running the same type of music. We were into the same type of, like, you know, sports. And the Kiss was, Army? Oh, yeah, I love Kiss, <laughs> and he loved Kiss. But, you know, Motley Crue, just any kind of misfits. So, uh, and just our love for wrestling. So we just became friends, man. And, like, I started going on the road with him after that. And he would train me before the shows, get me in the ring, and, uh, you know, help me out and stuff because I didn't have a wrestling school. So he would, you know, before any show he had, he would get me in the ring. 
So he kind of taught you, you know, out there on the road, like, you know, you got to learn it the way you should learn it. Like, you know, at a show beforehand, hey, try this, try that. Yeah, and he would tell, a lot of it would be like, this is what you don't do. There'd be a lot of that, and then this is what you do do. And if a guy like, back then, a guy like Christian York was on the show, he's like, watch this guy. Oh, uh, Christian York was good. He's awesome. And he's like, that's a guy that never got his due, man. Like, really, man. He was money. Fucking very good. He was always money. And he's a good friend of mine, but he never got his due. So, yeah, he would take me on the road, try, and I did that for years with him, probably 2003 until, yeah, about 2014, like 11 years of just traveling the roads with him and uh, learning from him. He was great. That ECW guy, like, you don't see guys like that anymore now. You shredded jean shorts, cut off, you know, rock and roll t-shirts, busting each other's heads wide the fuck open. <laughs> the guy was awesome. I, I drank with him many nights. We hung out a lot of times. Great guy. Knew the business better than anybody I've ever seen, like. You know, if, if, if you're, you know, a car salesman, you know, they know how to sell cars. But this guy would know how to run a dealership. What a great guy he was. Yeah, he, he was so passionate, man. Like, we, like, he really liked the way I threw a punch. He's like, you throw a punch, good. He's like, but we're going to make it great. We're in, like, my basement one day, and I had a punching bag. He's like, just show me how to throw a punch. And he's like, you're doing good. He's like, but I want to take good and make it great. And we sat there for, it had to be two hours. And then finally I threw one, and he's like, that, he's like, that's how you always are going to throw your punch the mm -hmm. rest of your career. And I threw it again. He made me throw it like 50 more times just to get used to throwing it the way. He's like, you have, that's it. He's like, it's very important. He's like, if you can't throw a punch, you just might as well not even wrestle. He's like, it's, you know, very important. So he, he was just passionate like that. He, he was so smart. And, um, man, yeah, he, he, I don't know if I would have made it without him, honestly. That's good. So I've been around him a lot of times and, you know, like, and he would be on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, whatever he was doing. And the guy would say things about, you know, the business. The guy had a business mind. And it's sad because the guy would have been a great writer, you know, the talent scout, anything. He loved the business and he, and he knew it better than people that are probably sitting back there writing scripts every day. Mm -hmm. It's sad to say. Yeah, he, so, uh, I don't know if I've ever told the story. Like, because it sounds like a bullshit story, but it's 100% real. That's why I've never told it. I was like, no, I can believe the story, but I'll tell it. We were in a car one day, just and, and we just had just did a show, and he was complimenting me on my promo. He's like, "Man, your promo was really good." And he's like, "He's like, you really know how to talk." I'm like, "Thanks," and I'm thanking him. I'm like, "Cause he, it was hard to get a compliment out of him. Like a lot of times, he would just rag you, would rag you, would rag you. Then when he cobbled at you, he like you knew it was sincere because he wasn't." Doing it. So we're just driving, and we have the radio on or whatever, and he turns the radio down. He's just looking at the road, and he goes, "Man, you know," he's like. It may never happen. He's like, but if one day you got in front of the right people and you cut a promo, if, and if the right eyes saw you, he's like, I don't know if that would make, you, I don't know if that would get you a job, but he's like, I think people would be impressed if, if they, he's like, if you got in, right, in front of the right people and they saw it. So it's just like kind of eerie thinking about it now because it's exactly what happened. So it's like, and I never told the story. I'm like, it's one of those things where ah, people are going to think it's bullshit about selling because you know, you know how people so sentimental. Are, uh, yeah, people are just—they don't believe, you know, the truth. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I just remember him saying that, man, and uh, and that's and that's what happened. I know we'll get into it, but uh, like he called it. It's like he just called it. He knew, you know, and like he said, he oh, I don't know if you would get signed or if you would, you know. But if the right eye saw you, I just think they would be impressed. It just catches that attention. Yeah, right I was like, wow. Like so, years later, when I reminisce on that, and I think about that particular car ride and him saying that. It's, it mm -hmm. blows my mind. I'm like, well, he. 
Like really, he really saw that in me before anybody else did. And like, cause you know, dude, I'm five foot eight. I'm 170 pounds. I don't look like a GQ model, believe it or not. And uh, like, I'm not, you know, the guy that usually gets signed. And he just saw that in me before anybody else. And to, to this day, like thinking about it, it, gives me chills, man. It's cool. He was a great guy. Like, like I said, he knew the business, so he saw that in you. You know, like if the guy would have had a fucking, you know, somebody would have gave him a shot what he could have done for the business, you know, oh, like, well, talent scout-wise, like, you know, even writing probably, I'm sure, because that man could cut a promo, and he, he would, when I would even talk to him, he'd say, i say, you know, what's going on, he would talk, and then we get to wrestling, and he would say, this guy's wrong for TV, this, you know, he's going to be gone in two months, nobody's going to oh, fucking remember man. this guy. He would call it, man. And it was great. He would it was great. Call it. And, and, like, I, I remember guys, like, like you just said, it's funny, um, guys, like, he, he, they would get on TV and go, man, this run's going to last six months. And then, like, six months would go by, they'd be gone. I'm like, yeah, he's just like, wow. <laughs> and, there, and then there was a con on a weekend signing 17 cent promo pictures for somebody. Done. Out of the business so quick. Yeah. And he, he was a big John Cena fan. So when John Cena came out, like, 2002, 2003, right away, he's like, this guy is going to be the biggest star in the business. Like, he just. And everyone like, back then was like, fuck no. And he was just and rapping. He was it, like, man. you know, and. And he's like, this guy looks great. He, he, he looks right at the camera. You believe him? And dad, I'm like, and he you, know, you know why he was that good? His dad was a promoter. Yeah. And his dad probably told him, man. Hey, <laughs> he had to look, fucking that good. was all I seen with him. I'm like, when I first saw him, I was like, this fucking Eminem wannabe fucking yeah. guy. Fuck him. Now, we've 12, 15 years later, he's a fucking Hall of Famer. Well, he's a big movie star. And he's over. Oh, like, he's, fuck. He's in So... Well, Even with that bad comb over, he's over. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I know. I, I love it. The comb over just something different. So two John Cena stories real quick since we're on the subject. I, you know, had the privilege of wrestling John Cena when I was in WWE in a mixed tag match, Carmelo and I against him and Nikki. And um, so we're in Gorilla before the match. And like, I'm just sitting there watching the monitor, the match before us, whatever it was. And I'm sitting there watching. And he, like, puts his hand on my shoulder. He's like, are you even nervous? I was like, well, why should I be nervous? I was like, you ain't going to hurt me. You're one of the best wrestlers in the world. I'm in good hands. You get it. He's like, I like that. You get it. And we went out there. This quick match. Did our thing. The crap. Like, and the way he called the match to us was just so nonchalant and easy to him. Cause dude, I, like John Cena had house shows. He would wrestle AJ. And I remember AJ going up to him, Hey, what do you want to do tonight? John Cena was like, I don't know. We're, they're gonna tell us what they want, and they would go in the ring, and just do it. And that Cena would just feel the crowd, and he's a master. If you go back and watch his promos, where he's getting booed. By the end of the match, he's getting cheered. Right. He yeah. knew he, how he to. Flips, yeah. He knows how to get you. He's the best man. And like, I will say one thing about John Cena: love him, hate him, comb over, flat top, <laughs> good shoes, whatever. The fucking man does so much for charity. The oh, Make a Wish Foundation. He has more grants, wishes than anybody ever. So if you hate that guy, you're a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> the guy. Cancer kids, whatever he does, he, he fucking puts a smile on people's face. And if you can't love a guy like that, then you're just fucked up. Well, admittedly, uh, I was a Cena hater at the beginning uh, when he first won the title, had his big run, you know, a couple years basically with the title straight. Uh, but I will admit I changed my mind about him, especially the last probably three, four, five years. When you look at the level of matches that he's been pulling off and everybody says he can't wrestle every time that guy has a freaking match almost now especially on a pay-per-view or something i'm like that is must watch oh he's he's amazing man like so my, then my next john cena story we were in china and like i couldn't go to sleep i, I think i was watching a ravens game big ravens fan and like 
in China. It's like three in the morning when the Ravens came on. And like, so I'm like down in catering, like just watching my game. And he comes down, he's having his breakfast. He comes over to me, he's like, where were you a year ago? I'm like, huh? <laughs> he's like, where were you a year ago? I, like, I don't know, probably like at some indie show. And then afterwards, what's that? Some bar in Baltimore. I don't know. He starts like, he's like, you're in China, man. He's like, you're in China. You made the most of your opportunity. He's like, man, you're sitting in China having breakfast. <laughs> I'm like, with John Cena. All right, exactly. Yeah. And he's just like, but those little things he would say to you, just like, it would make you like feel like you, it would remind you how blessed you were. Like, exactly. Man, like, rip that. Yeah, like, I'm in China. I want, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm just sitting in China having breakfast, watching the Raven game on my phone. Like, this is awesome. And so, yeah. uh, speaking of your opportunities, like, so, you know, you you were on that roll that night against Braun, but, you know, you, you go in as, as an extra or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, and so how did that work out? I mean... Well, here's the thing about extras, and this is the God's honest truth, and I don't mean to downplay it, but anybody can be an extra. You can be an extra, you can be an extra. Cool. Just, just sign up and do it. The, the thing is, if you act like an idiot, they throw you out. So that's just like the way it is. I'm Any, an idiot. Any, WWE, if you watch it. <laughs> anyone can do it. And, uh, again, not downplayed, it is still a fun opportunity. But, um... So, yeah, I'm there as an extra, and I've, I've told the story a lot of times on a lot of podcasts. So we're all there around the ring, all the extras, and somebody's going to wrestle Braun on Raw, and none of it's guaranteed. We don't know who's going to wrestle. And Art Anderson walks up to us, he's looking at us all, and he goes, whoever throws the best punch is getting the match. Thank you, Axel. Yeah, and, uh, and he's like, all right, you're the smallest one, let's see what you got. I threw a punch, he goes, I don't need to see the rest of you, you in the ring. And, like, you could tell those guys were pissed, and <laughs> you get to, like, throw one. It was, and it's, like, one of the biggest couples compliments ever because it's Arn Anderson who had the best left ever oh dude he's amazing I can't wait to see him soon but um so I get in the ring he's like alright let me see you throw one on Braun and Braun's standing there Braun's fucking every bit of seven foot tall oh, yeah. big just Huge one of the biggest dudes I've ever man. seen in my life he's like so I was like alright so I throw the punch and he sells it he goes alright you're gonna punch him twice in a match he's like then he's gonna kill you and he's like this is gonna be your one time on WWE mm-hmm. and this is your dream so have fun I'm like yeah, this is going to be my one time on WWE. I am, like... So, uh... <laughs> like, there's a lot of funny stories. Like, we're in Gorilla before the match. And the extras, like, are not... Like, well, this particular night. I don't know, like, every other night. But we're not supposed to walk down the ramp. And I was like... And you're, like, they want us to walk kind of through the crowd. through You know, where, like, uh, wrestlers sometimes come in through the timekeeper's mm-hmm. table. Right. That's what they wanted me to do. But, like, you know, while the commercial was on or whatever... And uh, remember the referee's like, let's go. And like, when you walk through the curtain rail, there's these stairs that go down, and you go through the crowd. And by the timekeeper's table, around uh, to the timekeeper's uh, table, and then in the ring. So I remember walking down the ramp. I was like, fuck this, I'm walking down the ramp. <laughs> like, I walked because I think, never happened. Yeah, this yeah. is the only chance you right. have to do it, man. So I'm walking down the ramp, and I see the referee in the crowd, like, looking for me. And I'm like, hey, I'm over here. <laughs> and he's like, man, you're supposed to walk through the crowd. So I already I'm getting yelled yeah. at. I'm like, I don't care. And then, um, <laughs> Here's a funny story. So I'm in the ring, right? I'm looking around. It's commercials on. Nothing's going on. And I did this true story. I don't think I've ever told this. So I'm in the ring, and like I'm getting nervous, right? I'm like, fuck. Number one, I'm about to get my ass whooped by the biggest guy that's ever whooped my ass. And number two, like this is a live TV. I'm about to have to cut a promo. And I was like, man, I just hope it goes well. And so you know what calmed me down? Like, JoJo, the ring announcer, she walked up and said hi to me. And she was just, like, her face was so pretty. Like, it just calmed me down. I was like, that's a pretty girl. Oh, pretty yeah. girl. And she was so nice. Yeah. Like, and, um, you know, she dates Bray Wyatt now. He's a hell of a nice guy. Yes. Like, so Absolutely. I'm happy for both of them. They're 
you know, people get, you know, people on the internet get on your business all. They don't know what happened there. Yeah, they're together. Right. Good for them. I'm happy for both of them. They're both good people, and people get in people's business. You don't yep. know what happened. Yeah, you don't even know what was going on with you him and his wife. You weren't there. So you, there's no way of knowing any kind of situation if you weren't there. So very good people, both of them happy. For, but not only calmed me down because she was so nice. Not that she was pretty that calmed me down. It was just that she was so nice. And I was calm after that. I don't know. It was just, I never told her that. I hope she hears this. <laughs> but uh, so Braun comes out. And as he's walking to the ring, they wanted me to cut a 15 to 20 second promo about, you know, wrestling Braun Strowman. And I was, and I remember telling the writer, who was Jimmy Jacobs, I was like, hey man, they gave me the script. I was like, can I say this line? Any man with two hands has a fighting chance? He's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And I, and I thought about it because, like, I'm, I'm hitting him twice. So, any man with two hands has a fighting chance. That just popped in my head. It was just a line that I never used before, never heard before, or anything. So and that's that's crazy. That's the line that got popular and, and, and got like you know people to this day when they see me they bring that line up, and that's just something I came up with on my own. I'm very very proud of that. Like, Good promo, cutting. So yeah, Braun comes out. I hit him twice. Everything went well. He destroys me. And wrestling's not fake. It, it very much hurt, especially oh, when he grabbed me by the head and gave me that club to the chest. I felt every bit of that. So I know what happened. I like I saw it. I'm like fuck. I know Jimmy. You know. Then you said that shit. And fucking people in WWE, all the fans, memes and fuck. Yeah, it was crazy. Man. It was thousands and thousands, Dude, yeah, that, maybe that fucking millions of people. I said, this guy's gonna fucking get a contract. Yeah, I am. Um, like they love it. So it's crazy. So I get done with the match and like I'm like so hurt. Like like not hurt like where I'm injured. Just like man, it's sore, 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 beat up, and I'm trying to like hold it. Like, yeah, I'm good. You know. Like, <laughs> So I get to the back of our ass. It's like, man, you did a great job. Vince wants to see. I'm like, Vince wants to see what the fuck did I do wrong, you know? Because like, <laughs> he's like, I usually, like, I don't know, man. Vince never wants to see the extras. He, don't, you know, he, he just never wants to see them. So I was like, oh, fuck. And like, I go to the gorilla looking for him, and he's coming down the stairs. Vince, man, he's like, you did a hell of a job, kid. Give me a handshake, and I like shake his hand. I'm like, well, and Triple H shakes my hands, gives me a nod. And I'm like, this is fucking crazy. And I like, I find Braun and thank him, and he thanked me a million times. He was so nice. And I remember, like, sitting down and catering and, like, after the match, eating my food, watching the rest of the show, and, it, like, all the wrestlers are just looking at me, like, I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, man, you did a good job. You did a good job. And I'm leaving. And, like, you know, uh, D. Edwards used to be a referee yeah. around here. MCW plug again. Yeah, he um was, he's one of my best friends. So he calls me when I'm on the ride to the next town. We had, like, SmackDown the next day. When you're an extra, you do all the shows. And he called me. He's like, hey, Chris Jericho wants to talk to you. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Chris Jericho don't want to talk. <laughs> and uh, he's like, no, he's right here. So Chris Jericho, he's like, hey, man, he's like, you did a hell of a job. I just want to tell you, you did really good. He's like, I hope we see you again. And then Enzo gets on the phone. And Enzo's like, hey, I just want to let you know you're going to be a star. And I'm like, yeah, right, dude, thanks. And he's like, no, you're going to be a star. I'm like, mm-hmm. Like, I'm not believing it. On to the next show. And, and, uh, like, and I'm looking on my phone, and all that shit's blowing up. Yeah, dude, and, like, I saw I, a million memes. I was like, dude, when I saw, when people... You know, reach out or, you know, take the time to fucking make a meme or put a text on the bottom of the fucking, you know, picture. They had, your attention is with them. Like, yeah, yeah. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, and, um, so once I started seeing that, I was like, something's happening here. This ain't, mm-hmm. like, and I remember, like, the next day, like, um, you know, when I went to SmackDown, I was calling my friends. I was like, I don't know, man, something's happening here. I think I'm gonna get something out of this. Like, I knew right away something was gonna happen. I don't, like, necessarily think I was gonna get signed, but I thought, like, Maybe they'll bring me in to do another job or, you know, something. And, um, you know, so it was six weeks after that before they ever did anything again. After, like, four weeks, I was like, yeah, you fucking yeah, Scott, fuck man. It. They're like, they're like I, yeah. I'm not their priority. I was never their priority. I was a guy that just happened. 
So, yeah, six weeks later, they called me to do SmackDown in Philly, and uh, I came out to, like, the ramp, just did an entrance, and the Miz beat me up. And then after that, I came and did the AJ stuff with the Ambrose and before we moved on to Carmella. And, yeah, man, it's just, like, you never know, man. Like, you put yourselves in those positions, and you never know what can happen. Like, for the most of the time, if you're extra, 99.9% of the time, you go there, you just do whatever they ask. And, like, you can, like if you're an indie darling, if you're popular on the indies, you can't be an extra because people know who you are. Right. So yeah. then you can't be a jobber in the ring. You can't be a security guard. You can't be in the call on the line. <laughs> like, you, like, and it's just the hard truth. Like, if you're an, an extra, that means you're, you just don't have a name. And that's not bashing anybody. Like, anybody that can should try it and do it and Absolutely. have fun. But, like, that's what you're there for. You're there to be in the background. You're there to not be noticed. Yeah. And I took that opportunity, and I, I got noticed. And I think that was going to happen. Like I said, I walked down the ramp thinking this is the only time I'm ever going to get to walk down the ramp. And it's just, uh, you just never know, man, like, what could happen if you put yourself in those positions. You're not going to hit the home run if you're not up at the bat. That's man. right. So, you know, you do the match with Braun Strowman. Fucking, the internet loves it. You're sitting home. What's that first phone call, you know, after that? Like, hey, we have another match. What are you going to do? Like, we love you. How, how did that phone call go? Who called you? What was it like? They had a representative call me. I can't remember who it was. That, that Wednesday, two days later, I was like, hey, we want you to do an interview for WWE.com. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, so I did the interview. And who is this? I it's some, like, you know, social media rep. There's so many people that work yeah. there, man. They all work hard. They all have a hard job. There's not an easy job in that company, man. When I was there working every day, I look around like, man, this is it's such like a circus. People have no idea. Like, it, it's crazy. Like, and everybody's working hard and busting their ass and sweating and... It's a very big team effort, and everybody works. There's not a lazy bone in that. It's just not. And That's why it's successful. Yes, yes, and always will be. Like I don't think there's ever going to be a time when they're not successful. They're, it's Coca-Cola. It's Pepsi. It's AMC. It's like everything that we know that's popular. It's the NFL. It's the MLB. It's, it's much more than that. It's Monday. Yeah, it's Monday. It's When it's Monday, you know Raw. It's either Monday Night Football or Monday Night Raw. Mm. Other than that... It's the worst fucking day of the week. <laughs> right. Weekend. And people yep. can knock it and, you know, we, we like I said, we're all our own quarterbacks and, like, I'm, I'm going to get to Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, and wow, we've done, but, you know, we're all going to watch it no matter what. <laughs> it's right. just the way it's, it's a train wreck. Everyone's going to look. Yeah, and, um, yeah, man, but, yeah, dude, like, so, yeah, they called me for the WWE.com interview. That was, like, the first thing. And then every week they would hit me up, hey, we may need you Monday, we may need you Tuesday. And nothing was happening. I remember I was supposed to wrestle Heath Slater at SummerSlam. After that, and the winner gets a contract for SmackDown, and they're like, you know, you're gonna win the contract, not a real contract. They're like, you know, he's trying to get a contract. That was back when he was both on Raw and SmackDown, trying. He wasn't drafted in the draft. Yeah. So they were gonna have me come out. Daniel Bryan's like, here's your opponent. If you beat him, you're gonna be on SmackDown. Yeah. So the reason why they didn't do it, and that happens a lot. Where they'll just, I'll, I'll, there's so many spots I was supposed to be in that didn't happen because they just change. So the reason why it didn't happen, the reason they gave me was, oh, well, he's later starting to get over his baby face. And when we use you, you're going to be a baby face, so we can't have two baby faces doing this spot. So I was like, man, it sucks. I'm going to get a pay-per-view. So after that, I was like, man, that was probably the nail on the call, but they ain't going to call me back. And then like, eventually they finally did for the, uh, the thing with The Miz where The Miz beat me up. The Miz. This guy, it's another, it's another great story. The guy was on fucking... The real MTV, world. the real world. Like now, he's a fucking humongous wrestling star. He's married to a hot Canadian chick. They have a bunch of kids. <laughs> Two Fuck. kids. Now. It just shows everyone, you know, like 
Follow your dreams, man. Like, yeah, you, know, you put something on Facebook the other day, like, you know, traveled the world, went to WrestleMania. Man, that's fucking amazing. And most people that are in that position do not even, you know, acknowledge it. Do not give it, like, you know, a thank you. And that's great that you do that. Yeah, man. like, so when, when you make it, man, it sucks. Like, I wrestled on the independents, especially around this area, for 14 years before I made it there. And then when I made it, man, like, a lot of guys were just mad that it wasn't them, I guess. And I'm like, man, dude, like, if it was you, I'd be so happy for you. Even if I didn't like you, I'm like, yeah. man, this is fucking cool. Like, this is you, like, doing it. And... And I don't know why people are negative like that. So I try to be positive about it and like spread a good word about it. Like, man, I, I no matter what, regardless of what happens in my life going forward, if I never go back there again, like I went there and I had an awesome two years. I did all this cool stuff. Number one selling shirt, had action figures, been on WrestleMania, wrestled at Madison Square Garden. You can't beat that, man. Like all this. But cool you put it on Facebook and you and you know like you're thankful that mm-hmm. for that. Most people that are NFL, WWE, UFC. Nobody says, you know, like, fucking, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm here. Like, I was a child. I, I had a dream. And I fulfilled my dream. Like, you know, a lot of people don't do that. And I even said on your Facebook, I said, man, you're blessed. And you took the time to acknowledge that. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, and, and, you know, like I said, people will just be negative and not. Like, that's that's me, man. Like, I like you know, Steve, he's been coming to shows for years and known me and I. Uh, you know, he probably knows me pretty good. I'm, like, I'm not negative at all. Yeah. Dude. Like, you gotta, you gotta be positive. We're all gonna just be dead in a hundred years, and all of this gonna be. Just, <laughs> that ain't gonna matter anymore. Yeah, anymore. nothing's gonna matter. You just enjoy yourself and enjoy have fun. Now. Like, and that, don't rag on each other. It's so stupid. <laughs> like, that that was fun for me to watch because I didn't really know you super well, but I knew you. I knew you were a local guy, and to to kind of make yourself that way. I mean, that really doesn't happen in WWE. I mean, when it started turning in, like you said, the memes and everything, I'm like, wow, okay. I mean, this, was, this crazy. isn't how people don't get signed oh, that man. way. No, usually. Man. I mean, it, you're not their priority. But like, WWE yeah, is smart, and they could not ignore it. Right? It's, Fuck. It's good and it's bad. It's great. I got to live my dream. I'm not. I'm not angry about anything that's happened there. But at the same time, like I'm like, well, I'm not. I didn't go through NXT, and they have time and money invested in these guys. And I understand that. So I was like, I'm not gonna last long here. I'm gonna have a great time. Travel real, have Enjoy fun. It. But you came at an internet sensation. They can't fucking ignore right. that. They gotta like, put it on there. They're like, you know, they have to know. They have to know. You know, well, like, if people are looking at it, they want to know. They want to. They want to experience. We gotta put this fucking shit on TV because we don't want to miss the boat. I um, I had a hell of a run. Like I said earlier, there's guys been there six, eight years that didn't. They haven't had a run. They haven't done anything that people like. You you have had to had a run to be remembered like do memorable moments mm-hmm. like nobody's ever gonna forget me grabbing the money in the bank or beating aj styles no, to, <laughs> you know, like, to me um, the the mask with uh the oscar, the oscar when i came back you know you know it's crazy stories so i've never nobody do it we were watching and, and you came out i was like what the fuck? so do you guys and it like this, it's just one of those weird things and i've never told this story remember when Diggs from the minnesota vikings Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs. It was fourth and whatever. Mm-hmm. Four seconds left. And he catches the fucking ball and he runs and yes. beats the Saints in the playoffs. Like, I'm, and that's when I got, like, released. Like, my contract was up and I got released at first. And I'm, it's like, I was like a month after, or, what, or, or a month and a half after, whatever, for that playoff game against the Saints. And I'm, like, kind of bummed out. I'm not in WWE. I'm waiting for my 90 days to be up so I can go back to the Indies and have fun. And I'm like, I, I never thought about giving up, but sometimes it does cross your mind. Like, oh, I made it, fuck it, like, you know. And I'm sitting there watching this game, and it's just weird, man. So he, th- this game's over. The Saints have won. Everybody's <laughs> like, leaving the stadium. Done. 
Yeah. yeah, I'm sitting there, I'm like, and it, it sucks. I was like, man, this is kind of bummer. Like, all these Vikings fans paid thousands of dollars. I think about that shit. Like, they paid thousands of dollars for these tickets about to see their team lose. They don't have a prayer to win this game. Not There's no way he's going to complete a pass. And, Not like, that far. And, um, he, Case Keenum. And he, he completes the pass to Stefan Diggs. And this man takes it to the house. And, like, that just reminded me to never fucking give up. It's yeah. just one of those weird stories, like, I watch that, and like I'm not a fan of the Vikings. I'm a Ravens fan. But, but, I'm watching this game. And but he's a Maryland fan, guy. You had to cheer for that. Yeah, yeah he's a he's from University of Maryland, and he scores his touchdown. And I just remember him taking his helmet off and throwing so, it. Yeah, his yeah, yeah. And like it was just, I, I so I sent him a message on Instagram like months later, and I was like, dude, like I, I was in WWE. I'm not there anymore. Like I want to get back there someday. And you that taught me not to give up that moment. And he wrote me back. He's like, holy shit, dude, that's so cool. Man. Like, thank you. Like, he wrote me back. And um, so I fucking went hard on the indies. Like, when I, I started back on the indies in February, I did my first match. I made sure. In their gender? Did in their gender tour? Yeah, so my first match I did at Michael's Ave Avenue against Jerry Lawler. Like, we had a nice crowd. We packed. And uh, so I just, yeah, like, I did the intergender title stuff and just really hit the indies hard from February, February, March, April, May. And then five months, boom, June, WWE called. Hey, we need you. We need you for, you know, it might be one show, it might be six shows. We don't know, but we need you. You come running, fuck it. And we need you for Carmella. And mm-hmm. I love Carmella. Do like a sweetheart, so fun to work with, always say it. So they bring me in, do the thing where I take the Oscar mask off, and, the, and like it's in Chicago, and the place went nuts, dude. And that was like my Stefan Diggs moment, right, yeah. like where I was like, yeah, I'll just tag you out. Off, throw it. So, <laughs> I mean, I did. I accomplished. I did a lot of cool stuff there in the two years. Like, I got let go, and I did the comeback already. You know, you beat the world champ. You're in the Royal Rumble. You're in WrestleMania. Like, I do. Like, I'm. I got. I was blessed. I did a lot in a short period of time, and I don't. I'm like. I hope to think I'm one of those characters nobody will forget. Like, and, and you, you won't know. because you know why. Like, you know, you're one of those guys. You know, you're the underdog. You fucking main evented. You know. Shows you fought the world champion, you went to WrestleMania. Everyone wants the, in their mind, oh, I want to do this one day. You fucking did it, so people can you know relate to that. So and that's why you have a lot of fans. So when I did the thing in Madison Square Garden, I came out, wrestled Har- um, Kurt Hawkins in a quick match, and beat him like I won a match at Madison Square Garden. I remember like I get back to the locker room, I go to the bathroom, and uh, use the bathroom real quick, and I just looked in the mirror and I just started laughing, and I, like I, I just. I was like, am I really at fucking Madison Square Garden? Did I just really win a match at Madison? Like, I had to sit back. Like, I had so many moments like that where I'm like, had to pinch myself. I'm like, this is Madison Square Garden. I just won a match at Madison Square Garden. And, like, I just had to pinch myself, dude. Like, and like you said earlier, not a lot of people do that. They, they take it for granted. There's so many guys that I see on Twitter. Oh, I don't know what it's like. I don't remember what it's like to be on a pay-per-view. Oh, why aren't we getting pushed? Or why are we losing all that? There's a lot. At NWWE, like I said, yeah. I won't name any of them. But there's guys on Twitter that don't... Do they not remember that when they were a fucking kid that this is what they wanted they to do? They just wanted to get there. You have action figures. You have t-shirts. You're on video games. You're in a fucking you know? video game. You're like... You're traveling the world on somebody else's dime. Like, and I, I, I'll admit, like, a couple of times I forgot that shit. I would never bash WWE on social media because that's fucking stupid. Like, yeah. Like, but I, I had a couple of times where I, maybe I over-talked to the writers... Like, because I'm just passionate like that. I just wanted the shit to be good. And if I felt like something wasn't good, I... It probably wasn't my place to go to the writers. Like, look, this ain't any fucking good. <laughs> like, I, like, they had to gimmick where I was on the dog leash with Carmella. Which I wasn't embarrassed about or anything. 
Carmella having you on a dog leash. You wouldn't want to do it. But I just felt like it wasn't a good angle. Like, I just felt like if I'm, you know, somebody's parent, I'm going to let them watch this. Or it, just, it just wasn't going to work to me. Now, when you said something like that, would they, like, you know... I think they got pissed at that. I'm not shun sure you that, away, like, push you away. Yeah, yeah, I, I just think they got pissed at that. I don't know. I just wanted this shit to be good. That's just me. Like, I, I felt like after Money in the Bank, when I grabbed the Money in the Bank and gave it to her... We had so much heat. Dude, that was heat. And, that they kinda, and, and, I, and after that, it was great. And I felt like they fucking contained it and didn't yeah, run well, with yeah, it a well, little bit. A like, couple weeks after that, they did an angle where I was suspended and gone for a month. Which, dude, I love the work. So I was like, can I still be on the house shows and just run through the crowd or something and try to help her when security throws me out? I remember one of the agents going, yeah, we could probably do something like that. And they were like, no, no, you're gone for a month. They're like, just enjoy the free money. They should have built on that heat, man. Yeah, and like I was like, no, that's that's that's, that's it. when you run with yeah. something like that. Yeah, like, no, like, let's build on the seat. I was like, can I just wrestle the girls? Like that was right away. I was like, let me like Becky Lynch was like, can I wrestle Ellsworth at SummerSlam? Because Money in the Bank was the month before SummerSlam. And you know, like that by, been huge. by the time I wrestled Becky Lynch, it was four and a half months after that shit happened. I'm like, man, it's just too. But late if you did that right then, right then, where we going hot? right now? Mm-hmm. So you might have been the fucking triple threat match, you fucking. <laughs> And by the way, I love working with the girls, man. If you notice, none of those girls ever say a bad word about me. I don't say a bad word about any of them because we had, like, we had a great relationship. We all, all the girls and I, I mean, with the girls, always had fun, always very professional, and that's why, you know, like when I see like people on the Indies bashing me or all that, I'm like, is they're anyone, hating. They're hating. Like, right is now. anyone with any like significance, like that, or Indie Darling, or a WWE superstar? You won't see any of them bashing no. me because I did good business with them no. all, and I was respectful. So when somebody like that bashes you on the Indie circuit, you say, "Who the fuck have you wrestled?" <laughs> yeah. And I'm not besides like your that. mother and fucking. And I'm not somewhere. like that, but the way like like I'm not. But you like have that. to be because if it's something negative, they run with it. No, so if they throw something negative yeah. your way, run with it back at them. It's like to me, it's like man, like instead of like hating on me, why don't you like ask me about my experiences and maybe I exactly. can like yeah, exactly. maybe you yeah. can get your ass here one day or something. Like you know, and I don't, I'm not like I don't go on the internet and badge anybody. People badge me all day long. I don't, I really don't care. Like I know what kind of guy I am. I know what kind of like I'm a father and I'm like. And so when people bash me, I'm like, really? Like, they, they don't know what I've been through. I appreciate anybody that's done anything I can't do. You know what I mean? They, like, they're, they're too busy hating to, like, make their own fucking career. Oh, that's a cap. I'm not going to drink All right, so we're going to do this. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to talk about, you know, you did the WWE thing. You were there for a little bit. You know, you had time off when you went back. Like, what was it like, you know, you're a local guy. You know, we love wrestling around here. It's wrestling around here. So you get, you get to be in the fucking major leagues in WWE. You do your thing. What's a travel like? What's a daily day? You know, you wake up, the travel. Every just tell us what it's like. You so know? nobody will ever get to experience that. For like me, doing the SmackDown brand, our house shows will be Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and we have TV Tuesday. So Saturday morning, I'd wake up at like four a.m. Get a shower. I got a shower when I first wake up. Just me, and I would go to the airport, BWA. And I'd fly wherever we were going. And you get to the town. First thing I did was go check in my hotel and just sit down for a minute. Because you're not fucking traveling all day. You fly into a town, get in a rental car. You know, sometimes you ride with somebody, sometimes you didn't. Like, sometimes I would ride with um, one of the referees there, um, Rudy Charles. Or I'd ride with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Or I'd ride with, you know, Mike Bennett. Sean Benjamin. I rode with a few times. Mojo Riley, like. You know, but then sometimes you just want to ride by yourself to have some peace and quiet. <laughs> like, I love Mojo Riley, nice guy, but, man, if you're with him, you better be awake and alert. <laughs> you know? So, at Shinsuke, we'd have fun when we drive together. He's cool. He's quiet, and we'd have fun. 
So I, I like driving then. But, um, yeah, so you get to the town, check in at the hotel. I take a little nap or whatever, even if it's an hour. Go to the gym, get something to eat, go to the building. Uh, you got to get to the building on a house show at least an hour and a half before the show. My rule is two hours. I'm all, if you're, My rule is if you're not early, you're late. So I get there two hours before the show, find out what you're doing, go out there and do it, and then... Like, I would always stay in the same town. I'm, I'll drive in the morning. I want to go to the hotel and go to fucking sleep. <laughs> so that, that's your normal day. And then Sunday, you get up, drive to the next town, do the show, go to sleep. Monday, you get up, drive to the next town, go to the show. Tuesday, you have to be at TV earlier. You got to be at TV at 2 o'clock. I, w- I would always get there at 1, an hour early. And because um, TV's a long day. Like, because, you know, sometimes, like most of the time I was on the show, I was very blessed. I was, like, my two years there, I was on the show more often than not. Um, yeah, so you get there, you see what you're doing, you you have rehearsal, like, you know, it's blocking, like, you stand here and look at the camera, and and Carmelo's gonna be here, and AJ's gonna be here, and Dean Ambrose, you know, whoever you're working with, and, like, it's TV, it's live TV, so you gotta rehearse a lot of it, and make sure you're in the right spot, so there was that, and then, so Tuesday nights, man, you'd be so tired from the weekend and all, and then you have to, like, get up. It'd always be a morning flight. Gotta get up at 4 a.m. <laughs> like, so TV would end at 10. You wouldn't fall asleep because you got that adrenaline rush. You wouldn't fall asleep at like 1 in the morning, get three hours of sleep. And, and uh, I remember like those mornings, I would always sleep on the plane. Like, it doesn't matter how far the flight was. Like, I love the flights from California because a lot of times. Five hour flight. Yeah, so a lot of times they have their show in California because the show in California, instead of starting at 8, will start at 5 in California time. Mm-hmm. So by 8, you're done. Then your flight would be at ten fifty five or something like that, and you would sleep. I would love the West Coast shows, California, Seattle, whatever, Arizona. And then, yeah, you, I'd go right to sleep, and you wake up, and you're in Baltimore, and you go home, take a shower, go to sleep. And, yeah, it's just, yeah, that, that's your day, man. It's a lot. Like, I always said, we're not really professional wrestlers. We're professional waiters. Yeah. You get you get to wait. You get to wrestle for, like, ten minutes tops. <laughs> like, you're, most of the time, you're, you're, you're waiting. You're waiting. there in the hotel. Waiting. You're waiting at the airport. You're waiting on the but plane. But, I mean, you're there's waiting. a local guy. He, like, you know, did indie shit. You fucking love that. Dude. Oh, dude. It, it was so good. So, it was, like, it was, you know, I missed a lot of time with, like, my daughter. She'll be four on March 22nd. So... Those, those two years and like last year when I was hitting the indies really hard I missed a lot of time with her and so you do miss that like you know you come home and she grew six inches right what the fuck yeah <laughs> you were that big when I left her you know she you know and my oldest would lose a tooth or something you miss there is that that is real like that is that why a lot of guys you know drop out of the business kind of thing like they can't have to travel well, get like, away from home that kind of thing I know Ted DiBiase Jr. that was the reason he his wife got pregnant he was like I don't want not be here for my kid. Dude, it's a lot of sacrifices. And, you know, and those guys that have been there for years, they've sacrificed a lot, and I respect all of them. You know, like a guy like Kobe Kingston, who's uh, really getting his due now, he's been there 11 years. I mean, he has kids and all. He's missing a lot of time with his kids. So basically, a main event guy, from what I've read, I mean, I don't know about it, but they miss... 250 to 300 days a year yeah. away from their family. Yeah, and that's, you know, 80%. Because maybe, like, let's say you're wrestling 200 times a year, and then another 50 you're doing media, or you're doing autograph signs, or WWE, or you're doing like, commercials, or like, I got to do a Snickers commercial. <laughs> like you're, you're, That was awesome. That was yeah. awesome. Rick Flair and his daughter, Charlotte. And, yeah, so, you're busy, man. You're bu- it's, it's go, 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 go. And, I, dude, I will say this. I enjoyed every minute of it. 
Yeah. Okay. So I know you wanted, you did have a story you wanted to tell about Rhonda. Oh, it was just my little, uh, you know, what, what do they call it, like Monday morning quarterback or uh, arm, what's the armchair? Yeah, armchair quarterback. Armchair quarterback. So, like, remember at WrestleMania 12 when Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart were about to do the Iron Man match, and you're seeing these vignettes of them training really, really hard. So I think, in just my humble opinion, like, and I love Charlotte, and I'm not bragging on Charlotte at all, she's tremendous, she deserves everything she's getting. Like, people wanted to see Becky versus Ronda. That's what we. That's what most people wanted, right? Not just the internet, because, like, most people aren't even on the internet, dude. Like, WWE just a lot of friends, like, like families that go with their kids, and they're not reading bullshit on the internet most of the time. So the internet trolls and all that, they think they're the kings of the world, they're really not. <laughs> and, um, but anyway, I just think not only, like, the internet guys, but I think, like, a lot of the fans just want to see Ronda and Becky. And I really think you had a, like, a, you know, people knew they wanted to cheer for Becky, and they knew they wanted to boo Ronda. That's all you need for your That's first easy. first ever women's main event at WrestleMania, which you're not putting a lot of emphasis on that. Like, they say, oh, we're the main event, and Seth Rollins is out there saying he's the main event. We don't know who the fuck's the main event, really, because they're all saying they're the main event. To me, first women's main event, in my humble opinion, Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, and then, like, the Shawn Michaels Bret Hart thing. You have vignettes of Becky Lynch in an octagon, training, learning Ronda Rousey style. And sweating hard, and you're seeing these vignettes of her fucking tapping people out and like sparring with people. And then you do vignettes with Ronda Rousey at the Performance Center with Natalia, learning how Becky's style and how to wrestle. And like, you know, Becky's been wrestling for years, and I'm gonna learn her style, I'm gonna learn her secrets, and I'm gonna train on. And you do these vignettes, you do these vignettes, don't even have them touch each other. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you know, Ronda Rousey's going out there and, and you know, you, she's being a heel, shitting on the fans, shitting on Becky, and I'm going to disrespect your sport, I'm going to disrespect Becky, and, you know, I'm learning her style and I'm going to rip her arm off. And then you have Becky Lynch, oh no, I'm in the octagon and I'm tapping people, I'm going to rip Ronda's arm off. And then you're thinking, who the fuck's going to rip whose arm off? And then yeah. and people love Becky and hate Ronda, and then you just do that, do those vignettes, and then you do the face, the face before WrestleMania where you really want to see them get at each other, and you have the security break them up before they can fight. And then you build that up and build that up and build it up. And then you fucking have the match at WrestleMania just between them two. And instead, man, and again, I'm not a fan of it. I know right for that company's heart, but then... Instead, we got Becky on crutches for six weeks or whatever it was. We got the McMahons involved. We got Charlotte involved. To me, man, like... That could have been simple, man. It's simple. Ronda and Becky. But it's always good versus evil, so... When they pump and pump and pump... People are going to watch it no matter what the fuck so, they put on that main yeah, event. Man, you know? dude, they had this set up perfectly right before Survivor Series when, when Becky But you can't count Charlotte Flair out either. Like, they love her, everybody too. Everybody loved it, and they were shit-talking each other on Twitter or whatever. I mean, they could have just, like you said, they could have had the vignettes. They could have just crap-talked each other for weeks and weeks. And, I mean, people would have seen it. But then, they they to me, they just overcomplicated everything. Yeah. Oh, let's throw uh, Charlotte in here. And, of course, they recycled that same thing pretty much with Kofi. Oh, well, let's uh, take Kofi out. He doesn't deserve it. Uh, Let's put in Kevin Owens. It's like you're doing the same kind of storyline, basically, two matches of WrestleMania. And and, and, and trust me, Charlotte deserves to be there. Oh, yeah, she's absolutely awesome. And she, like, but to me, it's... It's Ron, and that's what people want to see. Just you can't nobody wants to see Charlotte. You can't. They, people love her, but they don't want to see not, not in this particular event. match. No, 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 no. Not in this particular no. match. To me, like I would have did with Charlotte, I would put her against Oscar last year. She ended Oscar's streak. This year, she's going to take her title. From right. Me. I have your number. 
I'm the one that can beat you. Then reincorporate it with you know Becky Lynch or Ronda Rousey. Like so that, that you know because I don't know what they're doing with Oscar WrestleMania. Like to me, Charlotte beat her last year. That's what you just. That's where you put Charlotte against Oscar, and you know, I'm going to beat you this year again. Yeah, it'll be a great match. Oh, it was out, It was one of the best matches of last year's WrestleMania. If, if not the best, yeah, I really uh, really like that. Match. It was a great yeah. match, but to me, I really feel like they should have put Ronda. Who is great as a fucking heel. I love it, yeah. Versus Becky Lynch. And that that could be a main event at WrestleMania. Just a woman's match. Mm-hmm. Like, Dude, just, to yeah, me. Just a one-on-one. I mean. Fuck. They, they so, I mean, Charlotte Flair is great, but fuck her in that main event. <laughs> so, like, they're not really in putting a lot of, like, emphasis on. And I, hopefully it is the main event. This is the first ever women's main event. You build that up. Exactly. They haven't been, like, somewhere like, what, three weeks out or whatever it is. And this would be bigger than that whole women's pay-per-view they did. They're not talking about this is the first ever women's main event. This is the most important moment in women's wrestling history. They should push it. Yeah, and they're not doing I'm like, Dude. come on, guys. <laughs> like you said, if it is going to be the main event, which I believe it should it be. Should I be. Think it should be, definitely. Then they really ought to push it, especially with everything that's going on nowadays, Me Too movements, uh, you know, women are held down for <laughs> this or that, money-wise. Michelle Obama. <laughs> but, but, I mean, you know, it would be perfect time to capitalize on that. I mean... You know, obviously mainstream picks up WrestleMania anyway, but you know that yeah, could be something that could really be ran with. Hey, but why not? The women, you know, first time in thirty-five years of WrestleMania, this is going to be it. Yeah, and then just you know, I mean, people are going to watch WrestleMania no matter what. The name WrestleMania sells itself. Now. They booked their fucking pay-per-views months ago. And and um, I think before Becky caught fire per se, probably they were thinking Charlotte Ronda Mania, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Becky just got hot, man, and I'm so happy and like proud of her, man. Like, cause I was there, and every night she would get the biggest reaction out of the girls, and she would bust her ass. And that girl, she's been wrestling since she was 15 fucking years old. Like, for her not to be the chosen one, and she's gonna get that WrestleMania main event, and she deserves it. And she's a humble girl, she's a smart girl, and she's a tremendous, tremendous asset to that company. For her to be able to do it, and she was always so nice to me, man. Like when I first went there, and I had this T-shirt, like I walked in, she was the first one wearing it. I got your shirt on, and she said, oh, "I didn't know her from Adam." You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. man, this fucking chick's cool. Like she's wearing my shirt, and she's, she, and she was always so nice and just so passionate. Like, like I said, right after Money in the Bank, right away, she's like, "We need a wrestle." And they did it four months later, but uh, like she just knows it and she gets it, and she's been doing it her whole life, and she deserves it. I'm so happy for her. So, you know, you're back there, and you're backstage, you're wrestling, you know, all that shit. Like, what kind of conversations do you have with people that really get the business? Like, you know, Hunter, who really gets it? Like, when you're back there, and you oh, know, yeah. people visionize what's going on, who really fucking gets what's going on, and who knows and visualizes what's going to be a big thing in two weeks from now? It's it's the guys that have done it for years. It's the Triple H's, it's the Road Dogs, it's the... Now Pierce's, it's the uh, Fit Finley's, it's it, Arn Anderson's, like the guys that have just been doing it for years and understand it and have experience, just like any other job. They have the experience and they get it. And there's guys there that I love and they're nice guys, but they were they they were just football players that they were big guys and athletes, so they got the job and they don't get it as much. And you can tell, like I'm sitting there watching, like and you can tell they're getting it because they're around the right people. They're right. getting more and more every week. Like a girl like Carmella, she wasn't a wrestler on the Indies. She was. You know, hot Lakers cheerleader, Patriots cheerleader, and she gets signed with WWE based off you know her athleticism and her looks. 
And, dude, it's, it's fun to watch her now because from where I was there when she first got called up to the main roster, to now she's, like, way better in the ring. And she's not getting a lot of ring time right now, but, like, she had a nice run as champion. And, like, her matches would get better. And it's because she's around the right people and she's willing to learn. And you, you like to see that. I have a quick jump in. So somebody like that, you know, pretty, you know, WWE's like, oh, man, she'll be good. She'll be great. How does somebody like that compare to a Natty Nyhart, who are her family, her uncles, her father, all wrestlers, you know, like, how does that compare to somebody that's been in the business, around the business their whole life, somebody that's just hot and, you know, like, a thought, oh, she'll be great. Well, you know, everybody has, everybody that's there is there for a reason. And everybody has different ways they got there. So I don't knock any way anybody got there. If you're there, you're there for a reason. You're there because this is an entertainment, entertainment business and people look at you and go, this is what people want to see. And uh, like Natalia, a hell of a wrestler, been wrestling her whole life. She is willing to help all those girls that don't have the experience she does. And she's awesome. And that's why she's been there so long. She's a very, very nice, passionate person willing to help anybody. She's really helping Ronda Rousey. Like, and... Yeah, so like a Carmella who didn't have a lot of experience. Her dad was a like a journeyman wrestler. Uh, it's funny, funny story. So Razor Ramon, his WWF debut was against her dad. Look it up what? on YouTube. Yep, <laughs> look it up. That's on good. Paul Van Van Dale. Something. Yeah, Paul Van. Razor Ramon's WWE debut. It's against Carmella's dad. <laughs> like, wow. it's, that's awesome. Paul Van Dal, I think his name was. I think maybe I'm wrong with the last name, but I know it's Paul Van something. And um. But yeah, man, she's an entertainer, and that's why she's there. Like, she's entertained, she's fun to watch. And um, I'm very happy she's still doing good, and I had a blast working with her. Nice. All right, so, you know, you get, you get on the WWE roster, you know, your local guy. When you come back here, you did your indie shows. Everyone loves you. Like, what, what are you going to do, do, do in the next two years? So, I just, you know... I still like to perform, so I'm performing. I just wrestled last week. It was a lot of fun. I'm, I got some shows coming up. Uh, you it's know, a pretty ugly re- reunion tour if yeah. anybody wants to Google it on Facebook. So, yeah, like, before I did WWE, we had this really cool tag team. It was characters. Pretty Jimmy and Adam Ugly. Pretty ugly. And I'm, like, not a hot guy, but I'm out there acting like I'm the shit. I'm, like, wearing fishnets, a mascara, acting like I'm pretty. And my partner, Adam Ugly, he's got a toilet seat on. He's picking his nose, and he's a chunky guy. Yeah, like, so it was a fun gimmick. And we just, uh, like you said last week, um, I had a team with them four years. And we team, it was cool, man. It felt, but it felt so, like, normal. Yeah. It's been four years, but right it back felt to so it. Jump back in. You know, and I've done all this crazy shit. And, like, I've never gotten an ego because of it. Like, I'll have a beer with anybody. Like, I don't, like, because, dude, like, again, I'm a very. Or Twisted Tea. Uh, hey, man, don't, don't throw me up. Hey, I love Twisted Tea personally. <laughs> just it's the best. It's a girl drink, but I love it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, uh. Like I, like I said, I'm a firm believer that, you know, at the end of the day, we life is short, and we should just enjoy it and be nice to each other and be cool, and I've matured a lot like that, and, yeah, like, all this fun stuff I've done, I don't, like, say, oh, I'm the, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread, and I'm like, eh, but, it, like, I come back, team with my partner, I had a blast, and it felt good, man, it felt normal. Good pop. So, Steve, I'm going to let you ask him one final question, and then I'm going to close it out. So, basically, um, you're just going to... You know, the plan is you you want to just keep on rolling with with everything you got going on. Hopefully, one day uh, we'll get you back on WWE. Who knows what the future holds? And uh, just anything else that you wanted to promote or say? 
Well, yeah, like, so I'm going to keep on keeping on, man. The past is in the past, and the future is uh, ahead of us. So I just keep on keeping on, doing my thing, staying positive and working hard. Um, yeah, man, just uh, check me out on Twitter at Real Ellsworth. Check me out on Facebook at James Ellsworth. Maybe I'll accept your friend request. Maybe I won't. And then Instagram at James Ellsworth Wrestling. And then my friends uh, at Adrenaline Wrestling, the company I, you know, helped a lot. Check them out at AdrenalineWrestling.com. They have a show coming up here this weekend in Hallathorpe. That's where we're at right now. All right, we just mailing. Come out and see them. 316. It's on the 16th, so it's cool. So go see my friends there, man. Ellsworth like 316. Yep. And come out and see us as well because we're going to be out there representing. And I'm going to go in, in closing one last question. I love wrestling. I've been a wrestling fan my whole life. I played with my wrestlers in the bathtub. <laughs> I played you with, play with mine in the bathtub. No, <laughs> but whatever. You know, we had, I did the steel cage, the rings. I took the blue, the uh, red sharpie, and busted people's heads open. For you to be, you know, a local guy, a humble guy, you know, you wrestled local, you know. So you get to WWE. How fucking was it like it when you go into Walmart or Toys R Us or Target and see your own fucking action figure on the show? <laughs> Dude, like. That's the coolest thing ever. Like, so, there's videos of me on the internet, like, signing them, like, in the Walmarts or in the Targets. I put a video up, hey, I'm at the Walmart on Ordnance Road. Come check me. You know, I, I just signed the figure. Come get it. Yeah. Dude, we like, saw that. It was great, man. Great. It would take 15 or 20 minutes and somebody would, like, it's gone. get a comment. Went and got it. Which, toy collecting, it's like, man, it's crazy. Like, people really take that shit seriously. I've been looking for a peak done for the last... Two months and I can't. Anyone looking for has a Pete done? Hit James on Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, or Instagram. So and um, but yeah, dude, like it's it's the coolest thing ever. Like you said, uh, when I was a kid, man, I would play with my uh, wrestling figures, my Hulk Hogan, my Jake Roberts, my Ultimate Warriors was my favorite. The Ultimate Warrior as a kid, and um, to have my own, I have two of them. This and Carmel and I had the two pack is to me the coolest. That's fucking ever. unbelievable. That, that, that's immortalized right there. So and to me, like, fuck. <laughs> you can't be any more immortalized I can't have like, a fucking wrestling figure. figure. I can't wait to like, a wrestling figure. That's cool. In five or six years when I went to flea markets, I'll see it with a, a, a bio ball. I'm going to laugh at man. I can't wait. So. How many people can say they can go to Walmart and see their own fucking self so, in a box with an action here's figure? Here's the craziest thing. You know how many people in the world get an action figure? You know what the percentage of it is? I looked it up. Very low, like one or two percent. It's not even one percent. Wow. It's like a point... Blah, blah, blah percent. It's not even 1% of people that's in this world get an action figure. So, like, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, I think it's That's how you know you made it. Like, I think it's shit. Like, I'm like, man, how fucking lucky am I? I got an action figure. There's 99.9% of people in this world will never have one. I have two of them. Like, that's yeah. lucky, man. It's, bl- it's a blessing from above. And I, I am very, very, very appreciative. So, James Elworth, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you very much, sir. Thank WWE, you, you know, pay-per-views, action figure. You're a Glenn Bernie legend. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Appreciate Continue you success with everything you do. God bless you, and thank you. Thank you, and the T's, too. Fun when I said that earlier. There you go. Oh, this has been recording for one day, six hours. Look, it's still recording from last night. Holy fuck. <laughs>